Hey everyone, welcome to Photography Chat. Uh, this is episode 10, season two, with uh, Jason Cumberfelt, um, also known as Grainy Days on the uh, YouTubes and uh, Fifty Shades of Jason on Instagram. I'm just waiting to get him on here and then uh, we'll get kicked off. We're starting a day early um, to uh, make accommodations for Jason because he's got something going on uh, tomorrow. So uh, we're flexible here in photography chat. So let's see if we can get Jason here to join us. And there he is. Okay, let's get him in the chat. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. It's a little different. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you there. All right. How's it going, player? Oh, you know, fantastic, man. Just uh, living the dream. It's a, it's a little later than I usually do it out here in the East Coast, but I'm actually a West Coast boy at heart, so like this is regular. <laughs> Did you grow up on the West Coast? Yeah, so I grew up out in British Columbia. Okay. Uh, spent some time in Vancouver and was living in a place called Kamloops before I moved out to Toronto like four and change years ago. Mm -hmm. um, Miss the West Coast a lot, and especially miss like California. Like I, I spent a lot of time working for companies in the Bay Area, and uh, oh nice, yeah. And before the world ended, I was supposed to go to Los Angeles to like catch up with some buddies and like shoot some photos, and uh, you know, then COVID. Yeah, have you been to Have you been to LA before? Um, I have been three times, but very briefly. Um, one time was with my ex-wife we drove through on our way to go to Disneyland for a late um, sort of honeymoon kind of thing. I just about crashed our yeah. Compton, which was a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's almost crashing your car at 3 a.m. in Compton was not a good look and uh, did not win me points with the, the wife at the time. Uh, and then I flew through when I went down to San Clemente in 2019 for the film today uh we flew mm -hmm. to la and then drove down to san clemente which was a really cool drive and then yeah i had like a 10 hour layover there on the way back from columbia one time and it was the very first and only time i've been credit card thefted and it was because i went to go get some money from a chase bank so that my buddy could take me to this like clown th themed strip joint <laughs> That sounds pretty cool. It sounds like you party with the right people, Merlin. Right? Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that you've got going on behind you there. The world. Matters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't fuck around with Chase Bank anymore. Um, are we allowed to swear on this? I assume it's all good. Yeah, it fucking pretty much everything is wide open here. Like when I upload this shit onto YouTube, I always say not for kids. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, Chase Bank, uh, they did me wrong. I used to live in an apartment where we had to use uh, quarters to do laundry. Okay. And so there was a Chase Bank right down the street. I don't have an account with them or anything. But I'd go in with like a $20 bill and I was just like, can I just have some quarters? It'll last me like two months, you know, for, to do my laundry and that kind of stuff. And they're like, sorry, we can't do that for you anymore. What? Uh, I was like, "What? you're a bank. Don't you have like an endless supply of quarters? So yeah, Chase did me wrong and uh, I'll never go back. I don't blame you, man. You know, and yeah. it sucks for them because you're spending all this wild money now that you're doing the large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so how how has the large format adventure been for you outside of shitting your pants every time you push the show? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been good. Have you ever shot large format? Yeah, so... I started, like, I have a Wista 4x5, which is, like, my all-time favorite camera oh, nice. with, um, his name is Rufus, and okay. uh, Rufus was a gift from my photo mentor, who was like, you're ready for this now, and uh, he, when he gave me the warning about it, he's like, large format photography is, like, somewhere between meditating and wanting to kill yourself, and I didn't really understand what yeah. he meant until I started doing it, and then I was like, fuck, I... 100% get what he means now because it's like when when you hit it it feels so good and then when you fuck up you're just like what have I done with my life like why why yeah well you know what they say between uh, or they say uh meditation is like preparation for death so you know it makes sense yeah <laughs> kind of makes sense <laughs> I've not made those oh shit whoa how that was um someone breaking into your apartment no, I think it was my loofah in the bathroom. It's on a suction cup thing, and every couple oh. decides to shit the bed on me. Um, mm. I've not made the jump to 8x10 yet, though, um, because I wanted to, like, get my feet wet mostly with 4x5 and then make the leap to 8x10 mostly to shoot Polaroid because, like, I've got a, oh, yeah. a huge problem with Polaroid. I shoot a ton of Polaroid, and, um, yeah, that's kind of yeah. depth there. Dude, I got to commend you for shooting Polaroid so much. I feel like if you can actually get, you know, decent results out of Polaroid and get a well-exposed photo, you've done like the hardest thing there is to do in the film photography community, you know? Yeah, so like Polaroid is, um, there's just a special magic to it. And mm -hmm. that's actually what got me into shooting a lot of film photography, honestly, was um, another Jason really inspired all of that uh jason lee is like one of my favorite photographers and like he shoots mm -hmm. a polaroid uh a lot of eight by ten a lot of four by five and he even has yeah. an ultra large format 20 by 24 polaroid which is oh my god um but i was reading this article about him where he was talking about like the magic of polaroid and how it's like the most honest uh photo that you could ever take and mm -hmm. kind of like the idea of that it being the most honest photo that you could ever take because it's like when you take that Polaroid picture, you just have that, that one image, like there's no negative, there's, there's nothing else. So it's just that one moment in time. Um, you can take two frames back to back, but they're not going to be identical. Whereas like when you got a negative, like you can reproduce that negative, like over and over mm -hmm. prints of it. And so I went out and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to buy an eight by 10 Polaroid. And then I saw how much that shit was. And I'm like, this is why Jason Lee shoots eight by 10 Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bought like a, just a little like box camera 600 um, and then yeah just the, the madness went from there because it was just like box cameras and then SX70 and then the SLR 690 and then pack yeah. cameras and then how many how many Polaroid cameras do you think you have at this point oh fuck um I'm sitting at like just under 60 cameras in total between oh my god uh 35 mil 120 and uh, large format yeah. Um, Polaroid wise, I'd probably say like 30 to 40% of my collections all Polaroid. Mm -hmm. um, this, this is my latest crowning achievement in the Polaroid family though. It's the, the land 195. Oh, nice. And yeah. This thing is, is that, 
True Beauty. Is that um? They made like an NPC version of that, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So there, there's an NPC yeah. version and a Polaroid version. The the weird thing with these ones were is um, from the factory they shipped with like a shitty dual window finder where you had to like look in one window for your focus and look in another window for your um, framing. And yeah. it, it was just wild because like it's such a beautiful camera. Why would they put a shitty viewfinder on it? So mm -hmm. um, what like what everyone does when they get these cameras is they rip off the Zeiss finder from uh, from a 250. And you've made the people so happy by letting Baxter up in the. In <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, so I gotta say, I really, I've been loving your videos for quite a while. And um, I want to say, like, thank you for, like, jumping on the live with me here. Because uh, I honestly didn't think that uh, I'd, I'd pull it off. So, um Yeah, I wanted to say uh, thanks for, you know, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for having me on. And especially thanks for um, accommodating my crazy wild schedule these days. It's, um, I've been working two jobs basically with YouTube and like a normal, like nine to seven. And it's just been doing a ton of overtime. So I've, uh, I've just had no time to do anything except eat and sleep otherwise, you know, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. No worries, man. So outside of like the photographer, well, what, like what's your, what's your day job? What helps you pay for the, the large format business? <laughs> It's um, it's like visual effects for like movies and TV shows, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I do everything from commercials to movies to uh, music videos to TV shows, uh, you know, everything. So that's that's pretty much it. Wow, I I had no idea. That's uh, that's a lot cooler than my day job, man. So what do you do? PowerPoint and bullshit. <laughs> um, no, so um, I work for a large four-letter tech company, and uh, I do technical evangelism and pre-sales. So um, I help um, get people all excited about the technology that we sell and convince them to give us their money. And uh, you know, it's I don't feel bad about because I believe in like what uh, what my company does. So. There's other technologies mm. out there that are a little more unscrupulous that um, would pay me more money, but I need to be able to like live with myself at the end of the day. Um, someone asks here, important. do you do Terminator 2? Did I work on Terminator 2? No. I. When was that made? I don't think I was even alive then. 90, 93 maybe? I don't know. I was alive in 93. Barely. No, I don't work for Salesforce. I, I work for Dell Technologies. I'll, I'll say it out there. Um, so wh what are you going to do with that, uh, that Polaroid 195? They don't make film for that anymore, right? So, no, they don't. Well, yes. Yeah. So there's a company in Vienna called uh, Supersense, and Supersense mm. makes one instant film, which is like, it's a truly bespoken, handmade film that um, is based off of expired 20 by 24 Polaroid color with a new negative and a new developer. Um, mm -hmm. And fun odd fact is um, when you process it and peel it apart, you know what a bukkake party smells like. <laughs> I don't need Polaroid to know what that smells like. No, you don't. But I mean, maybe it's like when the next time you shoot one instant, if you ever shoot one instant, it may help you recall fond memories of past lives. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard about they acquired a bunch of that twenty by twenty four stuff, and they I guess they've yeah. been cutting it up to to size. And yeah, once that it, runs out, then it's that's it. That unless they find more, so they're trying to figure yeah. out what what to do with it. Uh, but yeah, it's truly bespoken. Like they they all cut it by hand, and like you know they put it all together, and it's quite beautiful actually. Like you buy a three pack, and it comes in like a black, almost like a coffee bag kind of thing, and. Mm -hmm. uh, it's paper cartridges, so it's all recyclable, and uh, it's quite gorgeous. Um, but I do have like a, a fairly decent stash of Fuji FP100C and a little nice. bit of FP100B and 3000B. And what I'm going to use the 195 for is um, in 2018, I, I made this book called uh, Queen City Bodegas, which um, was at 22 different convenience stores around Toronto. Because we uh -huh. did, uh, out in BC, we don't really have this kind of shit. Okay. And, um, I'm going to do a follow-up to this book because I'm, I'm planning on moving back out to British Columbia later this year. So mm. before I leave, I want to shoot the follow-up to this book, which is going to be um, still convenience stores and like other shops, but I'm going to do a two-pager for them. So one page, oh, cool. the exterior shot of the yeah. done with the 195 on pack film. And then... Yeah. This page will be a quad of interiors on 35 millimeter with Superior 1600, um, mm. kind of capture um, more because like when when people like I did 90 copies of this book and it sold out like almost immediately, um, but the one comment everyone had when they were looking at it was like, what does the interior look like? And so that mm. follow up, I'm going to do the interiors, but. Um, I'm also going to use this camera for I'm going to do a reissue of this book before I do the follow up. And in the mm -hmm. review, um, there's at least three spots in here that are like defunct and gone now. Um, so I'm going to go and like review every place that I shot and see if it's still there or not. And if it's not there, I'm going to take a picture of what it looks like now with the 195 and just kind of have like, you know, the before and then the after. And then I had the address of like every spot here. I'm going to put mm -hmm. in the reissue, it's like active or deceased if they're gone now. Um, so I imagined you were going to say, uh, if it was gone, you were going to kick in the door and take an interior photo anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've debated that. And also, like, I didn't realize there's like some hardcore gang shit that happens in Toronto. Um, mm. And I only realized that after like four and some years living here. It's all right. You, you, dude, you've been in the worst. You've, your car broke down at 3 a.m. in Compton. You can handle it. <laughs> dude it was so the, the fucking turnoffs you guys have in america for like coming off of the freeways are so mm -hmm. tiny compared to canada and i was borrowing my ex-wife's parents gps and it it warned us way too fucking late on like what exit to take mm -hmm. and i missed an exit and tried to get onto it and I like jumped the car off of like a median and we went like flying off the median into like this fucking ditch and like bottomed the shit out of the car and everything and like when when I looked up and saw like where we were it was like it just said like Compton it was just like are you fucking oh, serious man. I was like panicking I was just like come on car like <laughs> you know, I don't please not now not now yeah, yeah wild um but yeah that's a plan with the 195 is just um shoot a couple books with it and then what I've also been doing just because like I have all the film and 
I thought about hoarding it and just keeping it forever because I love it so much. And then I thought about selling it because like it's worth three to four times what I paid for it. Um, but then I'm just like, I want to shoot it because I love it so much. So I've been giving a lot of portraits away to just like random people. So I just keep the camera in my backpack and like, if I see someone that looks interesting, I'll just like give them a portrait if they're down with it. And, That's yeah. cool, man. That's a cool way to do it. I mean, you got uh, Brandon Baker photo has a question. You reference Phantom Thread as an inspiration to test new filters. What other films mm -hmm. inspire you? I actually haven't seen Phantom Thread. I've only seen the, uh, they did like a camera breakdown. Um, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, what's his name? The director of the movie also shot the movie and he shot it all on 16 millimeter, I think. And um, he uh, did a camera breakdown where he kind of, talked about how he used 500T, Vision 3 500T, pushed it a stop, and also used something called a low-con filter, which is a low-contrast filter. And I thought that was kind of interesting because it, it seemed like it was almost like balancing it out a little because pushing your film obviously gives you more contrast. But if you're shooting with a low-contrast filter, like what what's the point of that? But um, he got some like really great-looking shots, and I thought, well... Maybe there's something to this. I'll um, give it a go. And so I tried it with a uh, diffusion filter and um, just some uh, medium format film. And uh, I didn't push the film, but I just went, you know, bananas with the contrast uh, after I scanned it. And I think I got some really good results. I haven't shot black and white since, but um, uh, I'm, that's what I'm going to do for uh, black and white in the future is just shoot with the diffusion filter and add a lot of contrast. I think it looks amazing then you got uh stuff by jose says talking about filters what is the combo lomo purple plus filter that gives aerochrome looks <laughs> i can't say yet i'm uh working on a video about it and i, I wouldn't say specifically it's uh, lomo purple but yeah um keep an eye out for it and then there's a guy that wants a shout out but i don't know if you want to like you know be that we don't give shout outs to no. people who want them right merlin yeah you know we're in this together <laughs> um and someone wants to know where did you find aerochrome because it's fucking hard to find i have one roll of it and i don't re I oh, nice. realize when i bought it how rare it was yeah you want to sell it i know a guy myself i mean maybe i'm just kidding um if you don't want to shoot it let me know uh, i'd be i'd be happy to purchase it off of you but uh i got mine four five years ago i think in like 2016 from the film photography project okay they were selling it it was called like infrachrome instead of aerochrome for some reason but it was aerochrome um and so i bought four rolls and i basically sh been shooting like one a year ever since and i only have one roll left so i'm pretty sure i know what i'm going to do with it i just uh need to make it happen and i haven't made it happen yet so yeah i bought it a long time ago i wish uh i wish i bought more at the time but you know hindsight is 2020 Dude, 2020, what a fucking year. Yeah. I I'm, I may talk to you about the Aerochrome because, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <clears throat> it's medium format, though. So I know you oh, have nice. 35 uh, Aerochrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've only ever shot 35. Um, apparently, they made it for large format and, yeah, medium format as well. And that'd be really cool to shoot. But um, the only Aerochrome I've seen on eBay is, like, hundred and twenty five dollars a roll and it ships from like russia so you won't get it for like 
uh, two months. Yeah, and it'll probably, like, who knows what condition will be. Yeah. Um, so we got one here. Uh, Robbie Fakes says, what is your favorite out there film format? Favorite out there film format? Interesting. Yeah. I guess the X-Pan format um, would be my favorite. I guess that kind of qualifies as, like, out there because it's really the only camera that does that, as far as I know. It's a um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, Merlin? Uh, the, like the, so I I had a chance to buy a twenty by twenty four camera, and I regret that my situation wasn't in a place where I could have had a home for it because it was absolutely mm-hmm. worth. It was this like Deerdorf twenty oh by twenty four camera that was set up yeah. type, and it was just like, it was a really great offer, and yeah, but I have the size a- of a small apartment. I'm sure. Oh, that's it. I live in a tiny apartment in Toronto and like it would have taken up my whole goddamn living room. Yeah. Like, no, Jeez. I can't, I can't do that. So that's like the one yeah. the format that, that kind of like kind of got away. Um, you need like a huge tripod for those too. You need like one of those old wood ones, I think, to well, support such a tripod. massive camera. It, it comes on a sentry stand. So it's, it's like oh. a big like coaster thing that you like turn this big crank and it like lifts the stand like up and down. Yeah. It was just Jeez. kind of insane. Um, yeah. Not not a weird format, though, but just, like, if money was no option, I'd love to find, like, an old OG Deerdorf that still has, like, the – when they were making it out of the bar wood that has, like, the, the watermarks and, like, cigarette burns. Mm-hmm. Which, like, <laughs> kind of, like, a cool camera to track down. What would you What would you have done with that 20 by 24? Would you do, like, portraits in your at your place, or would you – would we find Merlin pushing it down the uh, the street in Toronto, on on his way to his next location? <laughs> uh, that that would have been like, if I had a studio space to to put it, I, I totally would have um, would have picked it up. But like, yeah, that, that would have been like a cool one to do, um, like you know portraits or like you know abstract shit with. It'd be a lot of fun, and uh, the visual plan. Yeah. No, I'm not originally from Toronto. I've I've only been here for. Uh, like four years and change. Um, then someone says, do you ever think you'll quit your day job for full-time photography? Uh, it's crossed my mind, but uh, the full-time photography would really be full-time YouTube. Uh, yeah. That was really the only way I think it would be able to work. Um, yeah, it's crossed my mind. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but um you know, nothing's going to change as of right now. What about you? Oh, um, I've been poor before and I don't want to be poor again. <laughs> so, same, I'll, same. I'll, I'll keep doing the day job. And also, like, I have a fear that if I started, like, actually doing this for a job, I'd kind of hate it. And, mm-hmm. I like, photography for me is a mental health outlet. And uh, so yeah. I don't want to hate it because I really need it to kind of like keep surviving. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the closest I'd get to like making any money doing this stuff is with the books. <clears throat> but even then, like when I build the books, it's just to offset the costs of like printing the books and, and shipping them and stuff. So it's like, I'm not going sure. to make any money with that. Um, For sure. Greg Marchand says, what's the worst thing you've ever smelled? <laughs> There was this, uh, 
Uh, so I went with my family to Egypt. This is a really specific question, and I have kind of a specific answer. I went with my family to Egypt um, God, 10, 15, no, probably like 10, 12 years ago, something like that at this point. And um, we were on this like boat, and somebody was taking this some kind of medicine. And I guess it was like harmless, but they were like, do you want to like smell this or like taste it? And so we smelled it and we're like, oh my God, what is that? Um, yeah, still to this day, it is a mystery. I don't know what it is or what it was, but um, it like smelled those, like, like shit. One of those like snapping things, like in Fear and Loathing, like when, when they're in like the, the top down and the guy's like having the attack or whatever, and he like snaps the thing to get him to smell it because he has like a bad heart or whatever. Oh, no, it wasn't one of those. It was some sort of, like, yellowish liquid. It might have been piss. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a pretty awful smell. And then uh, my man JP uh, here, who, if you're ever in uh, San Francisco, you got to get yourself a portrait by JP. He is the man with, with the, the portraits. Um, JP. JP says, are you ever going to do another 10 questions video. Yeah. Um, I get this question a lot and it is always the same answer for right now. Um, there is one planned, but it, uh, it's kind of hard to do them in person with COVID and everything. So, um, I don't want to do it like, uh, uh, over like zoom or whatever. Cause I feel like it won't really be the same effect, but, um, as soon as like COVID <clears throat> eases up a little bit and, um, you know, people feel safe uh, to do like an in-person interview, then uh, yeah, I think I'll definitely do another one. Nice. So Merlin, if you're ever down here, man, Dude, let me know. I have so many people that I want to see down in, in LA. Like that's, so when the world opens up again, first stop is Denton, Texas, so that I can get some Tex-Mex and see Armand at the Denton. <laughs> if you ever need used camera shit, Look up the Denton Camera Exchange and hit up Armand. He can help you out. He's the man. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, his camera store is, like, just a parking lot away from his parents' Tex-Mex place, Mikasita, which is, like, the best Tex-Mex you could ever fucking eat in your life. And then right after that would be L.A. to go catch up with some friends there. And then San Francisco. And then Boston. Yeah, man. San Francisco to Boston. Yeah, that's kind of mm -hmm. a a stretch but you can do it <laughs> yeah. um and then uh voguish photo says would you consider doing 110 yeah people have hit me up about this but uh isn't i've never shot 110 isn't it kind of like half the size of 35 or like a quarter of the size or something it's super super fucking tiny yeah um, but it's actually kind of cool so it's like i shoot 110 every once in a while i've got a minolta 110 slr zoom and it's like, uh -huh. this, and it, yeah, 16 millimeter. That, that's how big it is. Okay. Um, and it's like a tiny, like fully functioned SLR. It's wild. Yeah. Um, the negative. I guess one. Be... Yeah, I guess Lomo makes 110 film. So I was going to say like all the 110 film you can get is expired, but um, that that's not true. Lomo. And then there's like another, I think it's a Japanese place. Um, mm -hmm. they, they make uh, color and black and white as well, too. And oh, uh, nice. it's actually pretty, pretty cool. Like, don't expect, like, super, like, mind-blowing negatives, but you can get some pretty, like, cool photos out of it. Like, I've done a couple rolls of 110, and, uh, yeah, I, I haven't been disappointed with it. Um, which I gotta is try awesome. it. 
fun. And then uh, hmm. Zane Pollard, you know, I, okay. I know we're not doing shout outs, but I do have to give a shout out to Zane because we were talking about instant uh, cameras and Zane is like a master wizard with the Polaroid SLR 680s, SX 70s. Um, if you have one of those like pop-up Polaroid cameras that need some love, Zane can help you out with that. Um, he's, he's a wizard with him. He's got a couple of my cameras right now that he's doing some magic on and, uh, yeah. yeah, I have an SX70 that definitely needs some work. Um, yeah, hit hit up hit up Zane. He will take care for of sure. You. He's the man. Have you have Have you had any trouble getting SX70 film lately? Yes, it doesn't exist right now. Um, yeah, so what's it, going well, on with that? Well, what so what happened is um, Polaroid. Um, they kind of miscalculated the interest people would have of instant film during the pandemic mm -hmm. and um they stopped production for a few months and the exact opposite ended up happening was um people bought a shit ton they of went they're stuck at home they went ape shit for it yeah they, they went ape shit for film and um so they had to focus on production of 600 film because to make SX-70, they had to retool, like they, they have to change the line because SX-70 requires a different negative and a different uh, mm. emulsion pod. Um, so they focused on 600 production, but there's supposed to be a run of SX-70 coming this quarter sometime. Okay. The, the rumor that I heard. So it's coming back. It's not going away. So a lot of people worried like when SX-70 disappeared that it was going to be like another Spectra debacle. But um, because SX-70 is like such a bread and butter, like there's still so many of the SX-70 cameras out there and so many people are using them. And there's like a huge ecosystem of rebuilders such as like Zane and Retrospect and a 300 yeah. film company that I won't mention for their <laughs> travesties of film gouging. Um, <laughs> or like you know, supporting stuff out there. So I don't think they'll ever kill that. But that being said, if your SX-70 does need some work and you end up sending it to Zane, he can also modify it so it could natively shoot 600. So that you don't- Yeah, I've heard about that sort of thing happening. Um, I don't know if I want to do that though. Uh, I'm still kind of on the fence about that. I, I like the look of SX-70 film. I just can't get it anywhere. Yeah, SX-70 is, is such a beautiful format. And if you ever get a chance, like if you have a mint flash bar, or you find one of those adapters that have like the PC uh, sync port for flash, um, yeah. shooting SX-70 with strobes is a lot of fun. Cause you get like, if you give it more light, you just get so much more richness out, out of the film. And so yeah. when I've done shoots, I've used uh, my, my alien bees with like the mint uh, adapter and a, uh, my wireless trigger. And that's worked like really well. Hmm. Yeah, Polaroid's this whole interesting world I haven't really gotten into too much, um, but I should, really should. Well, I, I remember seeing your box camera video and how you just mm. like super, super stoked about uh, how the results you got out of that. Box camera. You have to be more specific. I've done like a hundred oh, like, videos at this point. Like the, the, the pop-up ones that have like just the... Dude. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a 600, I think. Yeah. 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 That's fine. I, that's the only role I've ever shot in it though. <laughs> I need to, I need to get some more for sure. I don't, I like the SX 70 better because you have more control over it for sure. 
Um, if you want something that has a bit more control, I would also recommend checking out the One Step Plus. So it's the newer mm -hmm. type camera, but um, yeah. the thing that's cool with it is you can remote control it from your phone and with, with the Polaroid app. And so you can have full control of the manual functions of it. So you can change the aperture, shutter, uh, flash, eject so that you can do like multiple exposures and stuff. And oh, wow. A lot of people shit on the camera because they're like, well, it's plastic and it's garbage. But um, it's actually quite cool. Like I've got, um, this is a, a pre-production copy of a book that I'm going to be putting for pre-order soon um, that are Polaroids that I shot while in the first lockdown here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And um, it was basically all shot with the One Step Plus because I was by myself and, uh, you know, needed to be able to take photos of like me and shit. And uh, you know, I didn't have like timers for my other Polaroid cameras. So I just ended up using the one step plus and uh, it ended up working pretty good. Like just playing with like different lighting tests and stuff. And yeah, so it's uh, the one step plus is uh, is a decently capable camera and you can find quarantine's it. the quarantine's the time to experiment. It sounds like. Well, yeah, it was only supposed to be two weeks and then it turned into several months. Right. Things got yeah. I remember. I remember them telling us like, uh, this will be over by Easter last year and now Easter's coming up again. And it's like, who could have thought, you know? Yeah, exactly. Who, who would have thought? Um, Ethan Davis says, when did you guys both first get into photography? Uh, I got into it about five years ago or so. I, uh, started a new job and, um, long story short, the guy I sat next to, uh, I didn't know at the time he he and another friend of his were shooting film all the time and I always overheard their conversations and I was like uh I don't know about this it seemed kind of like a trend like uh vinyl uh you know and uh so I gave it a try one time and I fell in love that that's how it started yeah what about you um so I had a chance to start with film like way early on in high school and I was like mm -hmm. no that seems like fucking nerdy i'm just gonna <laughs> get drunk and go to punk shows um but then i ended up getting a digital camera when nikon released the d70 i bought it when it first came out and i used that as a way to get into like punk shows and like hip-hop shows for free because i was like yo let me like come in the show and i'll take pictures of you guys and shit and give you a cd tomorrow and they're like what? yeah I'm like yeah just let me in um, and so like I did a lot of like street photography and like music photography and stuff. And then, uh, I got married and I stopped shooting for a really long time. And then when I moved to Toronto, um, I was having some problems, um, adapting to Toronto. It was just kind of different from what I'm used to out here. And I bought a camera to just start shooting again. And I spent a lot of time in Kensington market, which is this kind of like funky, like village area kind of thing okay. uh, fun fact police academy the fight scene in police academy was shot in kensington market um mm. which is kind of wild um but i kind of like grew out of digital and started shooting a bunch of film and at that time hipsters hadn't ruined the prices of <laughs> this like four four and a half years ago uh so i was able to buy gear like fairly cheap like i bought my nikon f5 for like 230 bucks and now they're like yeah. 600 plus which is a bummer. oh my god are they dude, dude 
I bought mine. Yeah, I had a Nikon F5 like two years ago, and I bought it for I think two hundred and ten dollars at yeah. the time, and it worked flawlessly. It was a great camera, but I ultimately decided to sell it. I cannot believe that they're going for six hundred now. It is wild. That's crazy. Like, I'll never. And, and the thing that's wild about that it being that much money is like it's all electronic. So it's like as much as I love my F5, it's yeah. like ride or die. I know it's going to die sooner than later, and it's going to be yeah. a day, and no one's going to fix it because like all that shit's like no one can yeah yeah that camera's a workhorse though it'll last you a long long time i'm yeah. sure so this is this is a guy here his name's woodrow this is my yeah. and um it got stolen from me a couple of years ago and it was gone for like a month and managed to get it back which was like just what? a ride what's the story of that dude can't just gloss <laughs> over that <laughs> who stole I... it how did you get it back Okay, I have no idea. I, I think of these, like, chicks stole it. So there was this art gallery that used to exist in Toronto, and the the first three out of five times I've ever done gallery shows were at this place, and the first two that I did with them, I fucking did not enjoy it at all. Like, it was just, it wasn't what they promised. It cost a bunch of money to show there, and I was like, fuck you guys. I'm never going to do another show with you. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. But then they like sent an email being like, hey, we're partnering with CAMH, which is like a mental health um, organization here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, we're looking for submissions for photos for mental health stuff. And I was just like, I fucking hate you guys. But this is like a subject near and dear to me. So it's like, fuck you. I will put some art in for this. But this is seriously the last time I do any shit for you guys. <laughs> Um, I went to the thing and it was great. Like, you know, the, the opening was fun and mm -hmm. uh, I was taking a bunch of pictures with, with the F5 and near the tail end of the reception, um, one of the other artists had told another photographer there that I'd done the Bodegas book and they wanted to check it out. And so I had a copy in my backpack and all of our, they, they told all the artists to keep our shit in the basement and it would be safe down there. They're like, it's totally cool. It's fine. No one's going down there. So I went down grabbed a copy of the book and since it was like the end of the night and I was like done taking photos um I didn't really feel like carrying the camera around anymore so I just left it on top of my backpack because mm -hmm. it would be safe yeah and um you know fun fact there was also two macbooks that were inside of my backpack and it was open because I like left it open and kind of like just tucked the the camera on like in the open part there um the macbooks were there when I got back but I went up <laughs> of course and, um <laughs> I was showing like this, this person, the book and like, I was only maybe away from the camera for like 20 minutes. And yeah. um, I went down and I didn't realize how important that camera was to me until the moment I couldn't find it. And it was just, it felt like a gut punch. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like, where is it? And I just started tearing the room apart, trying to find it. Cause I'm like, it's gotta be fucking here somewhere. Um, and I just like, I ended up like losing my mind that it was gone. Um, and when I was walking down the stairs, there was these two like young girls that were walking up and they were like looking kind of sus when, when I saw them and um, they had cameras everywhere, but they were fake. So of course, no of course, dude. So I was like, fuck you guys. This is the worst fucking thing. <laughs> like the, the irony of like my primary mental health tool being stolen from me at a show for mental health was just too rich for me. And I was just like, like this is whatever. 
I did a bunch of rough. media posts and I was just like, help, like, you know, can, if you see this, like, let me know. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a month, like just a, over a month later, I'd given up and I was like, you know, fuck, like, I'm never going to see my camera again. Um, I had an F100 body, but uh, the lens that was on the F5 the night that it got stolen was a 28 to 105, uh, 3.5 to 4.5 D, which is like mm. a super primo lens. Um, if you don't know about the magic of that lens, it's really fucking cool. It has this like dope macro mode on it that you can mm. engage that um, you can see like the, the ridges in your fingerprints when, when you have the macro mode on that thing. And like, Ken oh, Rock, wow. like all people, Ken Rockwell wrote a thing about that lens being like, it's the ninja lens and the Nikon lineup. Like it's the one lens you could use to shoot an entire wedding. Um, <laughs> and I like Ken it. Rockwell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he was, he's the OG YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where YouTube was even a thing. Um, but I liked it for street photography because sometimes when I was trying to get like signs and graffiti that was up high that I couldn't quite get, I could still turn macro mode on and zoom into it and get a bit more detail with the macro mm -hmm. mode. They like the lens for that. Um, so I just yeah. up to the fact that like, I was never going to fucking see the camera again and went out and bought uh, a replacement lens, which was also a bummer because like I bought that lens off of a crackhead and a Tim Hortons for 90 bucks. <laughs> it's like a totally weird thing. So like there's Where... <laughs> there. You have some weird stories, man. <laughs> I, I've lived a weird life. Um but the replacement lens that I bought, which I still have and never fucking use, I paid two hundred and ten dollars for that lens because it was still cheaper than what a used lens in the camera store was gonna cost me by like yeah. bucks. Um and wow. then the the fucking day after I buy this replacement lens and I'm like, I'm never going to see my F5 again. A friend messages me and she's like, yo, is this your camera? And there's like this sketchy, like for sale app called let go. I don't know if you guys have that down in the States. Um, but there it was, it was, it was my fucking camera. Like I saw the pictures and um, like I used to have on the, on the back, um, there used to be like a little teddy bear, like a, a foamy teddy bear sticker here that a girl at uh, the camera store that does all my development. She yeah. gave me. The, the, the bear was gone, but the outline of like the sticker was still there. And I was like, mm. that's my fucking camera. And I just about threw up on my MacBook because I was just like, I got all like, <laughs> I was just like, holy shit, it's mine. Like, I need to go find it. And I lucked out because like my best friend that helps me with like making my books and shit he had always wanted an F5. So I took a picture of the serial number and like all the camera. Cause he's like, send me pictures. I've always wanted an F5. Like I worked in journalism and I never even got to use one. And uh, so I lucked out and I had the serial number. So a friend came with me to meet up with this guy. It got stolen like an hour from where I live. And it turned out like this dude was 15 minutes from my house. Oh, wow. So I, I meet up with this dude and my friend, came with me and she was like pretending to be my girlfriend and we were buying this camera for her for art school and so the plan was like she was going to get the camera and look at it and make sure the serial number matched and then like hold on to it while I like you know fought this guy or whatever for my camera and uh, so like I confront the guy and it turns out like it's my camera and I was like yeah we'll take it and he's like okay it was like they were selling it for like 300 bucks mm -hmm. and 
instead of money, I handed him the folded up picture of my serial number. And he's like, the fuck is this? And I'm like, it's my fucking camera, man. Like, I'm taking it back. And he's like, what? He's, I didn't steal it. I'm like, no, you shut the fuck up. He's like, what? And I'm like, if you didn't steal it, you fucking know someone that did. And this is shit, man. If you know who fucking took this shit, like, fuck them and fuck you. Like, if you don't let me and my friend walk away right now, like, I'm going to, like, tell the, like, I have an open police report right now. And I'm going to give them all the information that I have on you and tell them to, like, fucking do whatever the shit they need to do to you. That's the worst that they can do to you. Um, he's like, whoa, whoa, bro, bro, no, no. And I'm like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, you need to talk to your friend and tell them that they need some fucking help, man. Because, like, you know, you don't steal from people. There's a shitty camera store here in Toronto called Henry's. They're the fucking... Mm. But I was like, you don't fucking steal from Henry, man. You steal from Henry's because, like, Henry's at least has, like, fucking loss prevention. Like, don't <laughs> steal from people. This is bullshit. And he, like, tries to shake my hand. I'm like, don't fucking touch me. We're not friends. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah. It goes in for the hug. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is we're, we're not at that level, dude. <laughs> That's uh wow. I can't wait for the uh Netflix doc to come out about that in uh, you know, five years or so. That's uh quite a quite an interesting story. It was it was a little while getting the cat and then I we sat in the car for like twenty minutes because I was just like my stomach was like all knotted up from like Could, you were like shaking. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just like this is fun. and then like my camera stunk like fucking patchouli oil for like three months. Cause like they <laughs> it, like wrapped in this like um velvet scarf that was like drenched in patchouli oil. So I was just like Yeah. Well at least I got my camera back, but it smells like the fucking back end of a Dave Matthews concert. <laughs> So. Yeah, I I have a well, it's not my story, but I'll uh, tell it anyway. Like I like I was there. Um, my one of my friends got a, a Canon like digital camera, like a one D Mark II or something. Stolen. I mean, who gives a shit? It's digital, right? Yeah. Uh, she got it stolen and uh, out of her car one night. But she had all the serial numbers and everything. Two days later, she looks on Craigslist finds the uh the listing they're selling it for like 30 bucks or something they don't know what they have i guess or they're just they just need money i don't know but um my brother goes with her they go to like a dunkin donuts or something to meet this guy he has the camera she matches the serial number to the serial number that she had uh when she bought it and at that moment the luckiest thing happened two cops walked in the door and started placing an order so all she did, all she had to do was turn around and be like, hey, this guy stole my camera and is trying to sell it. I have the serial number, the blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay. Um, so yeah, the guy, you know, got arrested or whatever for the whole thing. And I was like, dude, you are so lucky. These poor cops were just on a break. They just needed a 10 minute break to get some donuts or something. And, you know, they just, they're always doing their job. And it was like the luckiest, the luckiest moment of their life, I think. That's the magic of donkeys, man. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Dunkin' Donuts person, or like, uh, what do you, what do you, do you have Krispy Kreme up there? Because that's obviously superior. I love Krispy Kreme. Like, yeah. I I'm not even ashamed to admit that like I will eat a dozen box to myself. Yeah, I will do the same, and I will hate myself for it. But well, yeah. it's like, there's like a certain kind of like shameful pride that you have when you look at. Like, <laughs> cream box and you know that you did that to yourself and you're just mm -hmm. like who am i why did i do yeah. that and then i'm stronger than i thought yeah <laughs> not that <laughs> just like 
I'll be like, no, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to buy a half dozen. I'm like, who am I fucking kidding? Like, I'm still going to eat the half dozen. Like, it doesn't make it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've kind of gotten, I went through a bunch of diet shit when I was like younger and mm. I got skinny, but then I was like a miserable cunt when I was skinny. And yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I'd rather be like fat and happy than like skinny and miserable. <laughs> a terrible for myself then. So it's just yeah. like, I try to find moderation now. Yeah, you should write a book. It sounds like you've got it figured out, man. No, dude, <laughs> not even close. Uh, Goose Juice is wondering who is both of your favorite photographer. Hmm. Do you want to answer that one first? I'm gonna need a minute to think about it. That's that's a tough one because um, there's so many like really great photographers out there. Um, yeah. So. Well, I mean, like Jason Lee, definitely one of my favorites. Um, Ed Templeton, I really love his work too. Um, Eric Bouvet has some like really rad shit too. Um, and Grant Britton, like that guy. Like, I'm not like super up on the classics. So it's like, I, I meant like, yeah. I know everyone loves like Wessel. Like, you know, Wessel's got some, some really great stuff. And, uh, Winogrand, Winogrand, am I pronouncing that right? I don't know. I'm not the person to ask. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't really know anything about photographers, especially historical photographers or anything like that. I know a few like Joel Meyerowitz, um, but yeah, he's great. But um, I don't. I don't really like look. I try not to look at other people's photography so much because I don't. I want to like stay on this like clear path that I think I'm on. If that makes sense. I don't really want to be influenced by, uh, by anyone. Um, so, uh, photographers, I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I look at a lot of works by like painters. I've been really into uh, Richard Estes lately, but, um, my all time, like biggest, uh, inspiration is, uh, the painter Edward Hopper. Um, I just love everything he does. Um, Your video and, on that, one. that was a great video. Yeah, thanks. Um, it uh, pretty much all my work. I just strive to emulate whatever it is I feel when I look at an Edward Hopper painting. You know, so I'd say that's that's my favorite. Yeah, kind of weird. Favorite human being in the world. There we go. <laughs> no, 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 question. Who's yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Do you have a favorite human being? I've never really thought about that before. I got a couple. Like probably my mom, honestly. Probably my mom or my brother. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Like my mom and I didn't have a super great relationship when I was a kid, but it's definitely gotten a lot better. And there's been like an interesting shift in the like parental dynamics. But um, my mom actually is a big part of like my photographic journey because um, the first film camera I ever shot is her Canon AE-1, which I still nice. have and I use quite regularly. I love that. Hell yeah. Ride or die AE-1. Exactly. Like as much as I'm a Nikon fanboy, that AE-1 will always be in the stable. And I love that. Yep. Like all of my childhood memories were shot on that camera. And uh, yeah. So my mom and my little brother, like, fucking love my little brother and uh, his kids are like they kill me like my niece she's seven 
And when she turned five, I gave her a digital camera for her birthday. And um, they just like, I sent her an iMac to play with a couple months ago and she figured out how to use like iMessage and shit. So now she's like texting me like pictures that she takes with her digital camera. And it's kind of hilarious seeing like this little person's view of, uh, of the world. And I was FaceTiming with her um, a couple weeks ago and she saw an enlarger in my living room and she's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, you can use it to make photos like this. And they pointed like one on my wall that's a, a film print. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you use chemicals to like make that off of film that you develop with chemicals. And she's like, what, like science? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like exactly. <laughs> That's good, Merlin. Get them started early. Well, yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, like when I move back home, like, you know, I can. Sh she's like, we can play with science. And I'm like, fuck yeah, we can play with science. Like, we're, we're yeah, not, not just for science project volcanoes. It's you know for film photography too. Exactly. You know, I have to teach you how to be poor at an early age. <laughs> yeah exactly it's a good lesson to learn early on exactly you know it's uh the, the photographic hobby is definitely an expensive one um oh yeah dude don't even eight by ten is literally like the most expensive thing on the planet it, it's ridiculous oh so uh, jeffrey has a question here is there a photo trip you've taken that has been a life-changing experience it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't like specific like oh what oh, i'm getting like feedback um it wasn't specifically a trip to take photos but um i went to nepal to hike the everest base camp trail and uh, i brought my canon ae1 on that trip and i think it was one of the best times of my life it was very very difficult and i remember pretty much just suffering the whole time but um it was uh it was definitely life-changing and shooting with film was uh definitely a game changer because i look back at those photos all the time yeah that's wild Important. what about you interesting um so I, I've talked about this in, in other episodes and like other podcasts before but like the the most important trip that i've taken photography related and, and life related to a degree um is um i went to boston in 2018 for a workshop that jason lee did at the leica store in boston and it was one part like a book release for a plain view and then the second mm -hmm. day was, like a workshop and photo walk with jason and okay. um it was it really kind of changed everything for me because like i was in a like really fucked up place in my life when I took that trip and I met Armand because uh, Jason had brought Armand with him from Denton and Armand and I like clicked really well and became like you know super homies and like you know Armand's definitely like top five favorite people in the world um, and like through Armand I learned about the Instant Film Society and uh, started um, you know getting more active with them went to the Policon in Denton Texas in 2018 and that became like a regular pilgrimage for me. And uh, just from there, like my involvement in the f film photographic community just kind of like exploded from that experience. Like it just kind of blew my whole world up. So that was like a definitely a life-changing experience for me because like it just, uh, everything changed after that trip. How long ago was that? It was 2018. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a cool trip. Um, 
there's a I have one of my favorite Polaroids. It's a picture of, of me and Jason that uh, I think Alan Evans shot for me. Or maybe it was either Alan or Armand shot it with my SLR 680. But um, Jason's holding my book and I'm holding his book in, in his Polaroid, and that's like one of my. Oh, that's favorites. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a trip. Um, but yeah, that was like a that was a dope trip. And then um, where is it? It's a Mamma Mia, which I mean, I love that username. That's fucking amazing. Um, thoughts on the GW690? Yeah. Uh, so I have a friend who has one. He has the three, the third version, the last version they did. And uh, it's really a nice camera. And he, I haven't used it personally. I've seen some images he's made with it. And they're stunning that lens that's on the camera is amazing but he's kind of last time i talked to him he was kind of feeling a little i don't know what the word is a little like uh burnt out on it you get eight shots i think a roll so it's not really ideal but um six by nine is like a massive format so you know, if you want handheld and portable, it's a great camera for that. If you want the massive negative, it's great for that too. No uh, light meter. Pretty sure it's all mechanical, so it'll probably last a while. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, probably a, a good camera. If you're on the fence about getting it, it, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Have you ever used it? I've not. Um, so far, my medium format adventures have just been my Bronica SQAI, which I love. Mm. Um, Is that the... Sorry, is the Bronica the one where they make that like panoramic 35 millimeter back? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's that one, um, but. Or am I thinking of something else? Um, like this one, it's just a six by six camera, but it has like my favorite shutter noise is, is that one. Cause it has this like flappy shutter that sounds like a drunk bat, like coming swooping at you or something. <laughs> That's oddly um, specific. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, I'm a Mia C33 is my other favorite uh, medium format camera because um, okay. it's great photography because it's just like ninja quiet. Cause, like, Those are huge, aren't they? Not really much bigger than my Bronica. It's different. Mm. It's it's like bigger in a different way. So it's like the Bronica shoot like is, is long this way, but the Mia is like long like this way. Okay. So you wear this mm. thing. It's, just, it's like a long like kind of chimney around your neck kind of thing um yeah. the bronica when you have like a speed grip and like all this other stuff on it ends up looking like a weapon which uh, yeah speed grip and all of that because being a brown bearded dude trying to do street photography was something that looked like a weapon just wasn't a good look <laughs> so, yeah. oh man not super ideal <laughs> yeah i can't imagine holy shit my okay so goose juice that's Angus. He's a homie that I went to high school with. Um, he was just saying crazy story. He was playing bagpipes on a beach in Cape Breton, and he found out Robert, it was Robert Frank's place, and he took Polaroids of him together with Robert Frank. Yeah. Wild. Robert Frank, yeah. Wow. There's uh, some Baxter. Hey, bud. And, oh, okay. It's me. I'm just going to put it up here. I don't know how to pronounce their username, but uh, where are your go-to spots for processing? (laughs) 
Uh, oops. There you go. Um, I go to, well, so I live in Los Angeles. Uh, so my go-to spot is Sammy's camera in Pasadena. The, uh, people out there are super nice. The people that work behind the counter are super nice. They always do a really good job. Um, and been using them for, I've been using them since the beginning, to be honest. So going on four or five years now. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, I, I use, use the, the uh, Toronto. sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead there. I was just going to say, I use the dark room as well sometimes for like specialty kind of stuff. Shout out to yeah. Philip the dark room. He oh, was, hell yeah. He was a guest a couple weeks ago. Love that guy. He's no kidding. Um, all right. Krabby bacon says, yo, Jason, how do you deal with Newton rings when scanning? Yeah. You can't really get rid of them. Even if you use a anti Newton ring glass, it, doesn't really kill them all the time the what you kind of have to do is find a way to lift your negative off of the flatbed glass in my experience um that's what kind of solved it for me for 8x10 i no longer scan 8x10 on the flatbed glass i actually use um dslr scanning Okay. Because uh, Newton rings were just running amok, even with A and R glass. I have this huge sheet of it, and I was still getting Newton rings left and right. So, you know, it is what it is. That's good to know. Um, yeah. Albert Machado ninety four says, "Are either of you worried that eventually all film will be discontinued?" I was thinking about that the other day. Um, like, what would happen? What would I do if uh, all film got discontinued? Would I start shooting digital? And I didn't come up with a clear answer. I would probably, I mean, if, if I found out tomorrow film was being discontinued, I'd probably buy like a thousand rolls of something just to store for a very long time. But um, let's say film was being discontinued and no labs were developing it anymore. I, I, I don't know. I would probably eventually have to get into digital photography. Um, but um, God forbid yeah right now i'm kind of thinking it would be like dominantly black and white kind of stuff but let's hope we don't have to live in a world like that merlin i i, I honestly don't think we'd have to so it's like yeah. you know, talking to people at, at kodak and you know whatever the fuck fuji does is what fuji does. <laughs> um yeah. you know kodak seems fairly committed to continuing to produce film and adding new film uh to yeah. the there so like that's a good indicator that like I don't think film is going anywhere anytime soon. I think the bigger problem that we're going to face before there's an inavailability of film is going to be an inavailability of cameras. Um, because I think you're right. There's there's yeah like that's the thing that actually freaks me out more than film not being available is that cameras won't be available um, because yeah. there's no real new film cameras being created. Like there's there's point and shoots like the plastic ones like Ilford came out with a new one and Lomography makes these simple use cameras which um, are super shitty and super brilliant like it's 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 a garbage camera that takes some of the best pictures I've ever been happy to take um, but there's there's no one really making like new SLRs uh, Leica still makes like the Leicas but like you need Leica money to buy one of those yeah um, well Leica actually announced, no, they didn't announce it. It's rumored that they're going to come out with a new film camera this year. Um, and it's going to be like a budget Leica M6, supposedly. We'll see, though. 
the F6 is not new anymore. So at Nikon stopped production yeah. one last year. So the only net new film camera that's available today that's still in production is Leica. As far yeah, as. yeah. Um, it sucks. I mean, there's some interesting people doing cool stuff in the community. I mean, I don't know if you follow Dora Goodman. She does a lot of um, yeah, like she, 3D printed and that kind of stuff. And it seems like every time she releases something new, it's always like a step in the right direction. Like yeah. it's, you know, eventually she's going to get to a point where she's making these full fledged cameras that are just as good as, you know, old film cameras. Yeah. Like her, her stuff is really cool, but there's, there's still the, and this is where like uh, on the conversation I had with Phil, he said the biggest issue with producing new cameras is the shutters. So it's even okay. with like Dora's cameras because like she's making new bodies and stuff like that, but you still need to source a lens with a shutter. That's right. That's and right. So yeah. It's it's at some point that's going to become like unobtainium, and we're all going to have <laughs> big cries about all this film that we can't shoot because we can't yeah. shoot anymore. I worry about the knowledge being lost too. I mean, people who used to make film cameras are getting up there in age and you know whatnot. So who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? That so that's what keeps me up at night more than than film, um, you know, going away. Is is that? Um, let's try and get through some of the. We got a. I got a really bad backlog of question here. Sorry, guys. Um, let's do it. Stuff by Jose says, uh, "Have you shot Polaroids with adapted backs for medium format cameras?" I haven't. Not about you. Um, the only no. I, I haven't really. Um, if you're going to do pack film in a medium format camera, um, you must really not like money at all because, like, you're just <laughs> that. Um, now, I hate the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever. <laughs> Give it to the dog. But I've heard, like, and I've seen good results of people shooting, like, Instax Square and Instax Wide and modified cameras. Um, and there's pe people making backs for that, which is, uh, is pretty cool. So, um, I don't have personal experience with that, but, um, you know, there's stuff coming out there. And then, uh, was it Parker Davis says, when you go out on a shoot around your local town, what kind of things are you looking to inspire you to shoot? Yeah, this has been a tough one. Um, I kind of rely on the location that I go to to inspire me uh for a lot of my photography and I mean once you've shot your neighborhood like 10,000 times you're kind of just you know there's no inspiration to be found um at least until you move away and come back one day but um I don't know so I guess if I were to go out and shoot my neighborhood these days it would be I'm looking for uh dramatic lighting uh, yeah, like you said, shapes, textures, and um, uh, good subjects, good foreground and background. I mean, there's a whole myriad of things that I look for, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same as wherever I go. Any, you know, whether it's Iceland or you know my neighborhood, it's I'm looking for the same thing overall. What about you? Um, I look for something that makes me feel something. Um, so good way to I, put it. I don't actually consider myself a photographer. Um, I think I'm more like an archivist. And so mm -hmm. I like to look for things that seem interesting to me, the things that I feel other people would find interesting and archive those oh. and share them. 
um, especially okay. um, images that can be paired with stories because you know the, the whole archiving thing being able to like and I think that's what I love most about Polaroids is that like when you pick up a Polaroid and you look at it um, like for me I don't know if it's the same for other people but when I pick up that Polaroid and look at it I'm almost like transported back to that moment when I took that photo and I can like remember the stuff that was like happening around the moment to that photo and almost like a little time portal kind of thing. I feel that for, um, yeah, for a lot of, just looking back at a lot of my old photos, it kind of brings me back to like a feeling I had when I, when I took it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Then we've got um, a question here from Drew. Uh, what were your first cameras and any backstory? My first camera was a Canon AE-1. So we're similar in that sense, Marlon. Um, I still shoot with it. Yeah, there's no real backstory. I just uh, wanted a film camera to try out. Googled what are the best beginner film cameras. Canon AE-1 came up pretty consistently. So I bought it for, I think I bought it for like 60 bucks from an estate sale with a lens. So right. yeah, what about you? Uh, AE-1, it was my mom's and yeah. uh, she begrudgingly loaned it to me and then she wanted it back and I asked her, I'm like, will you ever actually use it? And she was like, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're a master negotiator. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Hayden Garfield asked, Jason, are you liking the Makina? Been thinking about grabbing one for about a year now. Yes, I, I love it. Um, I mean, the images kind of speak for themselves, to be honest. The, that lens is the best. The only issue with it is that it's fragile and I know it's fragile. So I can't, um, I can't be a little more like rough and rugged with it. I have to kind of baby it a little bit when I use it. Other than that, great camera. If you like a 80 millimeter on six by seven, then it's, it's a seriously wonderful camera. You can't go all like old dirty bastard when you're shooting that one. Nope. Can't get angry at it. Can't, uh, you know, can't slam it can't slam it on anything well it's always fun to have like cameras that you have to uh you know be gentle with I, at um, this point i'm kind of like i'm interested to see how long i can keep it alive you know i hope it never dies i'm sure it will it's, it will someday but like i'm very interested in like babying it and just seeing how much mileage i can get out of it yeah that's not a bad idea uh, so where is it here some kid from the six what do you both recommend is a great camera to get started into medium format? My recommendation, uh, if you can stomach six by six square format, get a square format camera. Cause they generally, uh, <laughs> they're generally a little cheaper. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of square format at all. Um, but, uh, that would be a good, good way to learn. There's a lot of, uh, like TLRs that, um, you can get, I think, Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't looked into it in a long time, but they were going for like a hundred, two hundred dollars, not too long ago. So hopefully the prices haven't changed too much. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested on like why why you don't like six by six so much. I think the frame, uh, so like six by seven or standard thirty-five millimeter frame. I think the frame kind of informs the subject of what you're shooting. So if you're shooting a tree, in my mind, I kind of want to shoot it like vertically because a tree is largely vertical. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of helps you create a better composition. Whereas if you're shooting six by six, it's kind of just like 
even on both sides. I don't know. Yeah, I just can't get can't get into it. That's kind of funny because like I just fucking hate six four five. I can't get behind it. Yeah, I wouldn't really recommend six four five, but I haven't shot it. And I like either. AP's got mad love for the six four five. I I, just, <laughs> um, I would I, shoot it if I had a contact six four five. That's like the only camera I'd be willing to put up with. But that's forget fair. that. Forget um, that. I mean. For me, honestly, I would say, like, the best medium format camera to get started with is the one you can afford. Like That's a good answer. I don't think you can really go wrong with, with any camera yeah. out there. Um, now, Maybe like, try borrowing one from someone. If you know someone who has one, too, give it a sh- – just try it out. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I've, I've done that. Like, I've loaned out cameras to, to people that, um, you know, I – the the my more precious cameras are, I loan only to like friends, but I've definitely loaned like cameras to strangers. And uh, you know, most what are your uh, what are your like precious cameras? The the precious ones would be like my F five, um, mm. the AE one. That that one would never go out there. Uh, the four by five Rufus and uh, mm. the one ninety five, and um, my SLR 680 and SX70s. Yeah. SX70s, you have more than one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not camera shaming you. I'm just I was just taken aback by it for a second. <laughs> yeah, I I've, Zane has five of my cameras right now in Denton that he's working on. Um, and they're all SX70s. <laughs> mostly yeah. So, um yeah. There's they're mostly SX70s. There's a couple sonars, and then he's working on a really, really special one that I'm super stoked about. And I'm, I need to get send him skins so we can finish him. I've just been fucking lazy and like dealing with like mental health shit. But um, there's this really cool one he's working on for me that is um, all the SLR 680s were were black. Like yeah, Polaroid never made a silver one. Um, so. Zane started doing this cool conversion where he takes an SX-70 sonar, like a silver one, and then graphs on the SLR-680 stuff onto it so you can have a silver SLR-680. Um, so he's built one of those out for me. But then he's also put the split prism focusing screen from an OG SX-70 into it so that when I'm doing manual focus on that SLR-680, I have the split prism so I can actually like do a better focus oh, wow. manual. So I'm really yeah. For that one to come back from from Zane. Nice dude, nice. Yeah, he's he's kind of the man with that stuff. Um, whereas we got um, for oh, this is a good one. For night photography, do you prefer spot meter or phone app? Uh, me personally, I prefer the phone app because phones have better like, uh, what's the word? better low light technology than spot meters do. Um, but, uh, you know, if you can make it work with a spot meter, then use that too. It's probably more accurate, to be honest. That's fair. Zane says he shoots a lot on my Hasselblad and SX-70. It's all square. So he's, he's <laughs> I'm sorry, Zane. I just, I, <laughs> I just, I'm just, we're not, we're not similar. You know, I can't do um, it. Which which app do you use when you're doing the night photography? Uh, oh, my! I was going to reach for my phone, but I realized I'm on my phone right now. I'm an idiot. Um, 
What app? I don't, it's just a light meter app. Honestly, they're probably all the same. I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, but um, you can set, you can basically set like the priority. So like if you want, you set your ISO, then you set, uh, you set aperture and shutter or shutter priority. And so I, um, I set, I usually leave it on like aperture priority till I shoot it like F8 or F11 at night. But um, yeah, it gives you like really long exposure times. Then you have to do reciprocity and stuff, which it does not calculate for you. But um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Um, oh, this is a good question. So Bionar um, asks, what kind of effect does your emotional state have on your intentions and image making process? I think it, I mean, me personally, I think it has a lot. Um, my emotional state constantly informs my photography, but I think a lot of my photography is the same. It's pretty consistent because of that. So I personally am a huge introvert and I really like solidarity, or uh, not solidarity, so, uh, solitude. wait, solitude. Yeah, solidarity is something <laughs> else. Uh, I really like solitude. So I try to capture that in my work um, as well as I can. And uh, pretty much every shot I take, I try to um, try to align a composition that kind of informs that, you know? Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, what about you? It, it's a huge thing for me. So it's like, like yeah. I mentioned before, like photography is a, a big mental health tool for me. So it's, um, and also like you, I, I enjoy solitude, a bit of like an introverted loner. Um, so it's like I go out and just explore streets and shit with my camera to just uh, see what's out there. Um, I do kind of like force myself to try and be a little less introverted sometimes. So like I'll usually pack like an Instax square or like a Polaroid with me. And in the before times when we were allowed to talk to people without possibly killing them with our breath, um, mm -hmm. I would offer them like portraits and stuff because um, some people would get weird if you're like, Hey, can I take your picture? They're like, what? Like, no. I'm like, Hey, yeah. do you want a portrait? Like, and so I do this thing where I, I take one for them and one for me. So I'm like, do you, do you want an instant portrait? Like I'll give you a picture. Here's the game. I take two photos. You get to pick which one you want. And then I keep the other one. Yeah. Do you find that people usually pick the one that you wanted to keep? Yes. I kind yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Solarge says, Jason, how can you be an introvert yet be so comfortable to put yourself out there on the internet? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'll let you know when I have an answer. <laughs> um, it's a little easier talking to a camera than it is talking to like a hundred people or whatever. Um, when you're talking to a camera, you can kind of like edit it down to be whatever you want. If you kind of, if you mess up your speech, or something you can edit it out you can kind of just edit out a lot of your like insecurities about yourself to some degree um so if i were to get up on stage and talk to 100 people it'd be a lot different than talking to like a camera in my in the office you know if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense um sam's frame asked do you have any serious work plan for the near future zines or books yeah um i'm doing a it's gonna be a book this year I um, don't want to give out too much information about it, but it's in progress. I've shot about half of it so far, and uh, I think it's going to be really cool. 
Yeah. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Film Gaze asks, have any shot with half frame cameras? Yeah, I have this camera called the Nishika N8000, which creates those um, kind of like 3D GIFs. Um, and it shoots four half frame photos. Um, that's about my extent of knowledge with it. The, the lens is pretty shitty. It's literally just plastic, single focus, whatever. But yeah, that's technically half frame. Have you? Uh I think that answers another question that was in the, the queue there where someone was asking your thoughts on Nishika and um, I, I kind of echo the same thoughts. It's cheap and plastic and very hipstery yeah. type. Um, it was, um, it was kind of a gimmick back in the day. They used to, it not, I don't want to say it was a scam, but like they, I, I don't know. It, Seeing old ads for it was like, they way over promised. And if I got that camera in the mail or whatever, it'd be like, wow, you really under, under delivered on this, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I was uh, very underwhelmed with mine. I shot one roll and then sold it. Like it. Yeah, they're just going up in price too, which is insane. Yeah, and I felt bad because the person I sold it to is like a good friend and then it broke on her. And I was like, oh shit. Man. That's the thing. That's the gamble you take with those. You gotta gotta baby them since they're made yeah. out of plastic. Um, but yeah. I do. I have a, a samurai, which is it looks more like a camcorder than it does a camera. Yeah, and, those are um, so cool. It's very cool, but I'm gonna be selling it soon because, um, mm -hmm. like, I just can't fuck with half frame. There's too many goddamn photos. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, seventy-two photos. Like, holy shit! Like, I just don't yeah. at that time. Um, I can barely get through 36 as it is sometimes. Yeah, 72 would be just a nightmare. It took me like almost two months to get through the roll on the Samurai, and that was yeah. the only one I ever shot. So it's just like, I believe it. I'm yeah. probably going to sell it uh, pretty soon here. Um, but another person asked here, why do you think your YouTube blew up? Why do I think it blew up? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I don't have an answer for that. I think it's really just luck, maybe. Um, uh, I honestly, I don't know, to be honest. I, I have no clue how it got to where it is currently. Well, I mean, um, so this is why I like your YouTube channel from, from my personal perspective is um, I can't stomach a lot of like the photographer videos yeah. that are on the YouTubes that are basically all the same fucking video on like Cinestill or Mamiya or this or and it's just like it kind of gets old and I appreciate yeah. your videos because um, you have an off-brand humor that I can relate to. <laughs> okay. You're kind of easygoing. I think Baxter helps a lot honestly yeah he's definitely the star he's uh he's got to get his own spin-off channel or something at this point exactly sure. yeah it's uh what would it be though like what, what would back your spin-off have you thought about it maybe just like a day in the life vlogs or something you know him eating like, him uh going on a walk like a casey neistat style kind of thing with back yeah. yeah 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 definitely that's pretty amazing okay it could work <laughs> I, I think you could shop that out. I think people would be yeah. down with that. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a good one. WSC Michael says, why are people spending stupid money on point and shoots? 
I think, uh, I mean, here straight up, here's the answer. There's a lot of people out there that see the results. People get on film and think, oh, film's like the end all be all, but I don't want to like learn exposure and manual settings and all that kind of stuff. So they find out about, find out about these things called point and shoots, which just do everything for you. You just have to load the film. And uh, it's kind of just a perfect middle ground. Point shoots are fun, but I don't think a contacts T2 is worth like $800, you know, at this point. Um, Whatever. I think they're so expensive because like YouTube and social media. Yeah, I'm sure YouTube definitely does not help at all with it. But what can I can do? Like, every time I see like a video of like a special camera that I dig that I know that's cheap end up on YouTube, I'm just like, fuck you guys, you've ruined another camera. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I get. Uh, I got a comment on my uh, Aerochrome video that was like, "Oh, it's you hate to see it." Jason just Kendall Jennered the shit out of Kodak Aerochrome. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? It's been a hundred and twenty dollars for like two years. How did I destroy it by making a video? Eh, whatever. You can't please everyone. No, you can't. You you just you can't. Like, there's so many grumpy people out there in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what Where is it here? What other questions do we got here? There's so, oh, someone, this is a good one. Uh, someone says, what about Monica? What about her? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that, I was thinking that funny episode would be if, um, like, I just had her do the episode. I mean, like, I shot all the, like, photos and B-roll, but she did all the talking. We'll see if it happens. That, that could, like, like a body switch one. Yeah, like a Freaky Friday kind of thing. Yeah, like like a Freaky. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that would be actually a pretty fucking funny one. Yeah, actually. yeah. She doesn't shoot film. She's um, she's very very supportive of the channel. She actually bought me the microphone that I use in the channel, which really? kind of kickstarted. Yeah, it kind of kickstarted the whole um, the whole YouTube thing. So, uh, she's super supportive, and I'm really appreciative of it. That I so I dig your microphone in it. Like that was one of the things I liked too, because it kind of made it almost seem like a bit talk showy before you like went mm. out the camera stuff. So, you mm. know, I like that that prop. So, you know, cool. props to for that one. Uh, yeah. Josie Griff says, "What style of photography or subject material you don't normally shoot that you'd like to explore?" Uh, I'd really like to get into Polaroid a little more, more specifically eight by ten Polaroid, like you were saying earlier. I've looked into it. It's, you know, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. I have the camera. I would need the processor. I would need the stupidly expensive Polaroid film. It would, uh, it'd be a tough sell, but that's something I'd like to get into one day. You have the processor already? No, I don't. Okay. Um, I got a I got an instant film homie in LA. I'll link you up with her. She's got a processor okay. and she does a oh, nice. stuff. And um, you know, she could probably, at the very least, like you know, let you give it a shot just to. It'd be cool of... to do a heck, give it a shot. Uh, it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be cool to link up and uh, do something on eight by ten Polaroid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll get I'll link you guys up in an email and uh, you know, so you guys can have a chat about that. Sounds um, good. That would be fun. What else have we got here? So many damn questions. Oh fuck! Sneeze went away. Um, 
duplicates. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to answer some, or I'm not going to throw up some of these duplicates because they've already been answered in other things. Um, this one is interesting, though. Um, Rob says, have you ever encountered bottlenecks in film photography? Bottlenecks. Uh, maybe he means like a creative block, you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't, but uh, admittedly, sometimes I'll get like a rollback and there'll be like one, maybe two shots that are like good-ish on it. And I kind of think, like, this sucks. You know, 30, 34 shots that just, that just are terrible. Like, why do I even do this? You know, <laughs> um, that happens every now and then. But uh, otherwise, no, I don't, I don't really think I've hit a creative block with it yet. Still going strong. Have you? COVID's definitely uh, bunged me <laughs> up a little bit. Because um, I, I used to shoot, like, three to five rolls a week. In the before times and now if i shoot like two or three a month i'm like you know doing somewhat okay um yeah. so like that's definitely like had an effect um just because like there's only so much of my fucking apartment i can shoot before i get bored <laughs> yeah and uh yeah yeah so it's it's definitely i i've been kind of like feeling a bit stale but that's where i've sort of shifted gears because like I have like thousands of photos that I've shot over the last few years that um, I haven't done shit with. Um, so I've started to go back through and look at things that I can like, you know, turn into book ideas or zines or things like that. So Yeah. How many um, zines have you done to this point? No zines yet. Um, okay. The one book and then the second one that's going to be pre going up for pre-order the next uh, couple weeks here. Um, and then there'll be the reissue later this year of the Bodegas book. Um, and then possibly the follow-up of the Bodegas book later this year or early next year. Like, it depends on, like, how the move goes and, like, how busy shit gets. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, like, I'll, I could have, like, two or three books out in the wild before this year is over cool yeah right on yeah, the book stuff's a lot of fun yeah i'm like i said i'm slowly kind of starting to get into it and uh organize something and uh it's been really cool because it's kind of like half stuff that i shot in the past and then half of it's like new stuff so it's kind of cool to just like mix and match and kind of see what what's possible with all the all that work yeah. Oh, this is an interesting one. Mr. Robot asks, is large format actually worth it? Um, depends what you're looking for, I guess. Um, I would say if you're doing like portraits, it's very much so worth it. You get that very shallow depth of field um, that just looks really, really nice. Um, it depends. I think it's worth it for landscape, which is like what I do mostly. But um, I'm, that's only because I'm like really in it for like the the quality and just seeing the like detail on film and all that kind of stuff is just the best. I, I love it. I love the crap out of it. Eight by ten is very. Um, it kind of it makes you think about photography differently, definitely. So um, you know, if you want a new perspective, 
Get a get an eight by ten. Get a four by five. Whatever. Get a yeah. twenty by twenty four. You can find four by fives and five by sevens fairly inexpensively. Yeah, especially with uh, Intrepid out there nowadays. Yeah. yeah, Intrepid's not bad. The only complaints that I've heard of Intrepid so far is that if you're going to be shooting them a lot, um, they they don't last a long time. So like if mm. you're if you're trucking around a ton, um, maybe not the the greatest thing. Um, Interesting. Or, this is an interesting thoughts on Canon P Canon seven rangefinder cameras. That's what I use. I enjoy it and I can get like 90% of the like experience for way less money. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're, if you're into it, those are really good, uh, cameras. Um, yeah. When I think of the Canon seven, I think of that gorgeous, like 50 millimeter 0.95 lens that they have for it. Um, which is just massive. Uh, yeah, sadly, I've never used one. I've never used that lens, but um, can only imagine that they're great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never gotten shot, uh, shoot one either, but like I've heard good things and I've always been kind of uh, Yeah, curious. never seen one, never seen one out in the wild yet. That's for sure. I like this one. Um, what books have you found inspiration from? Looking for some good ones to buy. Hmm. Well, I buy like uh I buy like books about like painters that I admire. So, it would just be like I mean, my process really is like I look at a lot of paintings online, kind of find an artist that I kind of want to look into a little more cuz I kind of like their uh, the stuff that I've seen from them. When I want to look into them more, I usually end up buying a book and that's kind of the only books that that I buy. So, I just bought a book on Richard Estes. I have one on Edward Hopper. I have like a botanical uh, species book that I oh. really like as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where I get inspiration. I'm probably not the best person to ask. Merlin's probably got a better answer, to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of all over the place with it. So like the ones I've been really digging lately, um, I picked up um, Jason's latest book in the Gold Dust uh, in the Gold Dust Rush. It was uh, all the black and white works over the last like 10 years. That's been a really cool book. Um, there might still be a few copies available of it that popped up in the UK. Um, and then uh, Raymond's book, Raymond Molinar, he put a book of Polaroids out that's all done on SX70 time zero um, over oh, like wow. a decade as well too. And that is a friggin' gorgeous book. Like, so nicely done and that was put out on film photographic which is um the the publishing company that jason owns um there's okay. copies of that one out there too and it's like fairly inexpensive i think it's like 50 bucks for that book um hmm. I, there's he had a story earlier today that there's like 50 copies left so um you know if you're if you're into polaroids or you want to like explore polaroids more would definitely recommend that book um you know, there's a, a cool Andy Warhol one that I, I really like. That's all these Andy Warhol Polaroids um, that, that I found really interesting. Um, Larry Clark had a book of photos. It's just called Tulsa. Um, you might be able to get it online. I bought it at the Philbrook Museum in Tulsa. And it's yeah. just these haunting and kind of amazing black and white photos that he took in Tulsa 
like in I think it was like the late sixties, maybe early fifties. But there's some like intense shit in there, like heroin use, gunshot stuff, like um one of the like the, this this photo like lives rent free in my mind because um, it just kind of blew my mind the first time I saw it. It's you see this like beautiful silhouette of like a lady and it's just like this black and white photo with just this gorgeous light and you're just kind of like taken by like you know how stunning that this woman looks, and then yeah. when you look closer you realize she's pregnant, and then when you look a little bit closer you realize she's shooting up heroin yikes yeah like that that was kind of an intense one and then just recently i was part so i'm part of a group here in in canada called the northern film collective that okay. was founded by a friend of mine named uh, becca she goes by becca shoots film with three c's on the instagrams um but we released this book that becca put together called the northern film collective volume one and i mm-hmm. i is that every year we're going to release a volume of Canadian film photographers and the film photos that they take. Um, oh, wow. So we had 68 different photographers submit photos. And so these are just like a couple of the photos of like different wow. film photographers here. And looks like a pretty good call, uh, quality. Yes. She used a, a company called Mixum. And, okay. um, you know, they, they were like really decent, um, Actually, so this is one of the photos that I had at the show when my camera got stolen that uh, <laughs> I had there. I had a Polaroid up on this. Okay, one. nice. Double exposure, it looks like, or? No, so yeah. it, was, it was expired film. Um, oh, gotcha. What, what happens when Polaroid gets weird sometimes, though, what a lot of people might not realize is in the bottom here, this is where the developer pods live. Yeah. And, it's not just one big developer pod, it's three different satchels. And mm. so what happened here is the developer pods on the sides here age differently than the middle one. So this one was uh, and these ones got a little bit janky. It's kind of uh, cool. It like frames it up a little bit though. Yeah. You know? well, so like that's a thing with um, that I've found at least when, when I've been shooting expired Polaroid is the first one or two shots will kind of give you an idea of like how the film has aged. And so yeah. you can gauge like, you know, how the emulsion is spreading to kind of figure out, okay, these are the spots where I'm going to have an image. So then you can kind of move your frame around so that you can try and make sure that it's going to get caught in there. Um, yeah. I, I can't find as much expired 600 as I used to be able to, but that was like my favorite film to shoot for a while. There was expired 600 because it was like a fun challenge to try and figure out how you can get an image inside of like the janky spot. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jeff is looking at Mixum. Mixum was good. Becca likes them. For for me, when I do book projects, I use Blurb, and I've really been liking Blurb a lot. Sorry, what were you going to say, Jason? Uh, I don't have anything. (laughs) Nothing nothing that great, to be honest. Where is it here? Other question things. Yeah, like, this has been great. I... I really appreciated you spending some time on here on the chat. Um, like I, I really, like I mentioned in the email, like I have no idea what I'm doing with this thing. Like I just, uh, it yeah. started as like a way to um, just buy time in the pandemic and actually launched with a dude from LA. So Jason Moore 
um, was the guy that helped me kick off this whole thing last Man, year. You know, so many people named Jason. Because, like, yeah. I'll be honest with you, my name, obviously, my name is Jason. Yeah. I have met maybe like two other Jasons my entire life. No joke. Really? And you just mentioned two Jasons that you knew. So I was like, man. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a tangent. But well, yeah, if you again, never you... come across Jason Moore in Los Angeles. He's a fantastic photographer down there too. And um, yeah, I'll send you his his stuff in the email when I introduce you to to Jessica for the okay uh, eight by ten Polaroid stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are you going to keep doing these uh these live streams? Yeah, so the, the plan is to keep doing them as long as people want to pe keep being a guest and um, as long as uh, people keep attending. Uh, so, like, no, yeah. no to, to really stop. Um, I've Hell been, yeah. Like, expanding it out, too. So it's like, um, I like the idea of, like, doing the, the live kind of format through Instagram because, like, it's no pressure kind of thing because it's just, like, I turn it on and then we just talk and then it saves it to IGTV after. Um, yeah, but then afterwards, I download the IGTV and like put it into YouTube, and then uh, strip the audio out and put that into podcast platform so that um, people can like enjoy the episodes in other formats if they can't catch the lives. That's awesome, dude. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah I say keep going with it. This is a really cool, uh, really cool format. And it's, I mean, you you as a host are super easy to talk to. So like just keep doing it keep doing your thing you know I, I really great. appreciate that there's another show that um kind of started with with a dude named pete uh, gamascus i'm probably butchering his name but pete bought um jason lee's old uh lincoln town car and drove it from california back to new hampshire and mm -hmm. uh, pete's like this crazy large format dude but we started this show called uh, large format Fridays. So the first Friday of every month, um, we just talk about um, large format cameras. But I'm going to be playing with like streaming stuff to see if I could get a Zoom session to stream onto Instagram live in, in like a, a workable fashion. And if I could get that working right, um, it'd be dope to get you on an episode of large format Fridays to talk about your large format adventures. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I don't, I am probably nowhere near as much of a professional as like some of the other people out there, but uh, I could, yeah. I'd be happy to. Yeah. I'm no professional. I just love fucking nerding out with camera shit. Oh, hell yeah. All the time. And I, I sure. got to give a shout out here too. I, I know we weren't saying shout outs, but this, this one's a big one. Uh, Lord Dickhead. Thank you for coming out. Uh, John Erickson. He's like a good homie, part of the instant film community. And uh, oh shit. This weekend, if you want to know, like, Polaroid shit, um, the Instant Film Society is holding the uh, Policon Bay Area. It's going to be a virtual event starting Friday evening, going all through until Sunday. There's going to be a bunch of workshops and different things. If you look on Instagram, uh, search the Instant Film Society or just, you know, Google Instant Film Society. Um, you know, you can sign up for the event right there. It's totally free and uh, lots of great information and a great way to connect with different people in the instant film community if uh, you want to check that out. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. I'm sure I'll be bored at home this weekend. <laughs> definitely. Like, it, it's worth checking out. And, um, yeah, I think we've been on here a lot longer than I usually do. I appreciate you, uh, you know, spending this time with me, man. It was a lot of fun to uh, 
to chat with you and uh it's always fun to disprove the uh, never meet your heroes uh kind of moniker <laughs> thanks thank you i really appreciate uh you having me on it's uh it's been an an honor to i guess virtually meet you hopefully one day we can uh you know meet in person but um it'd be fun to go but I, yeah until then uh just keep doing your thing and um i had a great time so thank you i really appreciate you taking the time and especially uh adjusting your schedule around mine because um it i'm sure being on the east coast it wasn't easy so thank you i really appreciate it that is no problem at all um and i mean everyone out there is upset that their dad is signing off here there's a lot of comments that you're your daddy which is uh interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know anything about that i swear <laughs> you, you plead the fifth on that one yeah yeah gonna have to yeah, no, no worries about that. Um, sorry, I didn't get to all the comments there. There was like, you know, the, the comment thing was blowing up and I tried to answer all the questions I could, but, you know, thank you all for uh, joining us for another episode of Photography Chat. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Jesse Hitchens joining me from San Francisco, or actually, no, Oakland. He's going to be joining me from Oakland. Um, she is one of the owners of the Underdog Film Lab, which is a uh, fucking awesome up-and-coming lab in uh, the bay area there and oh, cool. uh, my hometown it'll be exciting to uh, to have around there so i think it'll be a great episode so yeah thanks again jason and uh you know, stay safe out there and i hope uh, the premiere goes well tomorrow with caleb yeah i'm sure it will i'm sure it will he's a he's a master filmmaker right. <laughs> thanks for having me on man it was great to talk to you take care have a great night all right you too bye